Welcome to the Cruciform Life Church podcast, featuring the weekly sermons from our Sunday gathering. Please visit us online at www.cruciformlifechurch.org for more information. How are you doing? I want to again introduce to us or be back to reminding us that we are a family, you know, and we gather on Sundays around God's Word. And I feel like I need to remind us that one from time to time because it's so easy to, you know, treat our Sunday gathering like, like, like a performance. You know, somebody comes on front and, you know, we're here. Now we are a family and we are supposed to just gather uh, around God's Word on Sunday. So this is part six of the gospel-centered qualifications for eldership. Okay, so after this one, I think we have another three. We're finally done with the qualification for eldership, but we will move to another qualifications. That's for deacons. And, but for deacons, I think we can, because most of the things being mentioned here are the same as that of an elder. We might have one Sunday for deacons just to emphasize na may mga tinatawag din po uh, to deaconship. So today, particularly, we will be looking at controlled by nothing else but the Spirit and the Word. No, yung mga elders po dapat sa iglesia, ay hindi po sila controlled ng mga bagay dito sa mundo or yung sarili po nilang um, flesh. No? Yung, ang napag-mention dito ni Paul, the things he said, not, not a drunkard, not quarrelsome, not violent, and not a lover of money. And so I put all of these things together today because I do not want us to be talking about negative things for four Sundays. But it's also good to make clear that we are not supposed to be known for for these things because we easily lose our tapping edge. If we are not uh, careful on this area, we will lose our tapping edge. I remember a story of a pastor who was told who was told that one of his members is was drunk and he was in a bar. And so the, the good pastor went after the member um, to the bar. And it just so happened while he was walking in front of the bar, he stumbled on something and he looked like staggering on the side of the road. But it's also happened that one of the members passed through while the pastor was helping him out, helping himself to get up right in front of the bar. And it became a gossip within the church, and the pastor almost lost the pastorate uh, because of that thing. Now, that's a sad story. I don't know if it's a true story. I was just told of that story. But I think we can learn a lesson from that story, one lesson or two from that story, that this pastor might be pastoring faithfully and has been displaying the virtues of a pastor or elder's in the church, but just one instant, and just one instant could change everything. So what we will be looking at today is what an, an aspiring elder, or any Christian for this matter, remember our approach is that elders are models in the church, but these things, we are called, all, all of us as a church, we are called for these things. So or any Christians for this matter, should not be known for. Now, these are the qualifications that we will be talking today. So just a few notes before we dive into that. We already noted that having Christ means we are sober-minded, we are self-controlled, we are respectable and hospitable. So those are the things that we have established so far. Those are the things we should be known for. But the next four things, the next four things, 
mean that we are no longer yielded to Christ, the Holy Spirit, and the Word. This can only be true to us if we are no longer controlled by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, and if we have lost that self-control. Now, the, the work of an elder, if you look at in verse 3, it says they're not, not violent but quarrelsome. Now, I want to highlight, I'm sorry, not violent but quarrelsome. Not violent but gentle. And I like the fact that the word gentle is there because it, it reminds us the work of an elder. It reminds us that the elder is taking care of people who are fragile. Now, this is what I always remind myself of, that we are taking care of people who are not strong but fragile. And we are supposed to be very gentle in dealing with the people in, in the church. Nah, which makes us realize that if you're a drunkard, if you're violent, if you're quarrelsome, if you're a lover of money, which means you just take advantage of the people in the church, instead of building them up, we might destroy our own people. Also, the testimony of the gospel that elders should be protecting. The church is the household of truth, and it is the work of the leaders in the church to protect the truth, the testimony of the truth, the testimony of uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if elders are somehow leading the church in keeping the gospel and make sure of the effectiveness of the church in evangelism, then the last thing they want to do is to be a stumbling block and lose their credibility. And I want to ask you, church, to pray for us because just one mistake and we lose everything, in a sense. So these are the things that the elders should not be known for. Let, let me give you our message or our one sentence today, which we will be building up. An elder should not be controlled by anything other than the Word and the Spirit, because he might just destroy what he seeks to build up, the church and the testimony of the gospel. It cannot be. It's a no-no. It's a no-no, because it will be counterproductive. It will be against the very work that we are asked by the Lord. So what the elder is not, that's what we'll be looking at today. The first thing we want to see is an elder should not be enslaved to wine. The elder should not be enslaved to wine. Highlight the word enslaved. I believe today we would also learn a lesson or two um, about wine, about alcohol, which I want to make clear because we might be stumble, stumbled with some of us who drink alcohol and think that Christians should not drink alcohol. Notice carefully that Paul did not say an elder must not drink wine. That's not what Paul said. Paul said an elder must not be a drunkard. That's what Paul said. So let's be clear. Alcohol is not evil. Okay, alcohol is not evil. There's nothing wrong with a wise and modest use of alcohol. For example, isopropyl alcohol. <laughs> Wine is used as a symbol of God's blessing in the Old Testament. Have you ever thought about it? If, if alcohol, if wine is evil in itself, why would God use an evil thing as a symbol of his blessing? In their rejoicing in the Old Testament, wine is always a part of Jesus changed water into wine. 
He changed water into wine. Paul told Timothy to drink a little wine for his upset stomach. So let us be clear, church. Let us not be a weak conscience and say that the wine in itself is evil. As a pastor, it would have been easy to say it's evil, don't drink. But I misrepresent the scripture when I do, when I do that one. However, however, it will be naive to think na wala pong danger nakasama yung pag-iinom ng alcohol. Let us not be naive to think, for example, that money is good, but that we are naive to forget that money can also control us. In the same way that alcohol is not bad in itself, but we have to always also remind ourselves that alcohol can control us. It can cause addiction. So we, we cannot be naive as well to drink alcohol as if everything is safe and little do we know that we are starting to be controlled by alcohol no one gets to be drunkard by overnight you know today i start drinking i'm already a drunkard i remember just tasting a little of it and i started to love it and when i started to love it the next time i know is i was already a drunkard the next time I knew, I could still remember, it was salary day. And then we went out that night with my office mates because it was salary day. The next day, I, I did not know where my money went. We begin to realize that a person is beginning to be a drunkard because he is always looking forward to drinking wine again. He uncontrollably spends his money because there is nothing more important but to satisfy that craving for alcohol. And in a sense, drunkenness. Now let's be clear with that. That's drunkenness. It's idolatry. And any idolatry is a manifestation of a heart that is empty and long to be filled. You know, when we get to be, para sa atin po na umiinom pa rin hanggang ngayon, ng, uh, when I say umiinom sa context sa Pilipinas, lasinggero po yun, ano? And for us to still do that one, sometimes we never realize that we are so empty and we just want to experience again that, that, that spirit of alcohol to get away from that burden. That's idolatry. And while I don't believe with, or I don't agree at times with John MacArthur's take on drinking alcohol, he surely has wisdom when he was asked one time about uh, by those who insist that there's no problem with drinking alcohol, and his question is, for what? His reply is in a form of question, for what? Why are you drinking in the first place? Are you so empty that you always need to drink? Now, when you think about drunkenness, well, there's no problem with dying, but when you talk about drunkenness or being a drunkard, the Bible is not apologetic to say that there's no drunkard who will enter the kingdom of heaven. First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 10, says that one, the book of Revelation says that one, that there is no drunkard who will enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, highlight drunkenness. And we're not, we're not talking about social drinking. We're not talking about, you know, drinking one or two. This is what we're talking about is drunkenness, being a drunkard. Because it shows that, that alcohol, in some sense, is our God. It shows that it, we are addicted to it. And so if we are falling into drunkenness, it is a sure sign, many times, it is a sure sign of an unregenerated heart. 
kung ang pag-iinom ay bisyo pa rin po, ay malamang ang sinasabi natin ay nangangahulugan po ito na di po talaga tayo naghinalawa ng banal na espiritu. Na wala pong pagbabago doon sa ating relationship with, with alcohol or with wine. This is Paul's point in Ephesians 5.18, for example. Yes, listen, even an elder, he might drink. <laughs> he might drink. But it is not a vice of an elder. It is not a vice of an elder. The word drunkard here in First Timothy chapter 3, this is not the common word behind the word drunkard. Like for example, Ephesians 5.18 the word drunkard here refers to violence or, to be specific, drunken rage. Alam mo yun, yung kapag ka narasing ka na, nangangarate ka na. Ito po yung sinasabi dito ni Paul. Or in Tagalog po, nag, nagmaoy. Ano? Tama ba? Ano yun? Bisaya din. Sinerge ko kaninang umaga sa taga, sabi ko, nagmaoy in Tagalog, and it says nagmaoy din. Ano ba sa Tagalog yan? Nagwawala. Alright? But, but in Visaya, it's, it's a good word. You know? And not a good word. <laughs> There's something in that word that resonates in our heart. And, and Visaya, the, the Visaya people would always know what it means when you hear that nagmaoy, you think of a person who is so drunk and is starting to do wild things. You know, he, he is naghahamon ng away. Ayun po yung pinag-uusapan dito ni Paul. This is the word drunken or drunkard here. Not a drunkard. It refers to being controlled by alcohol to the point of uh, desiring to do violent things. So the picture here is that Paul is thinking about a person who is used to be meek, but because of drinking, he begins, he begins to be aggressive. And while this is not the same word as Ephesians 5.18, this is exactly the point, this is exactly what Paul wants us to see in Ephesians 5.18. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians 5.18. And do not get drunk with wine, do not be controlled with wine, for that is debauchery. Now, debauchery is an uncontrolled lust. I, I am ashamed of it, but I can still remember when I was not yet a Christian and I was a drunkard. The next time I know is that I'll be in the bars. But that the heart of debauchery is being uncontrolled. And it could be why Paul, after he said, not a drunkard, if you look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, he then said, not violent. Maybe Paul puts this together because what he wanted to emphasize is that it's very dangerous if leaders in the church are drunkards because drunkenness leads to violence. Another term for drunkenness or drunken rage is you will become a drunken master. You know the drunken master movie? So reputation-wise, reputation-wise, one would have lost the respect of others already or one is no longer above reproach. If one is uncontrolled, you just simply lose your reputation. Work-wise, though, this is very important. Anyone who is uncontrolled in the use of wine, resulting in being violent, should not be allowed to, an, to the office of an elder. Because it is not simply about drinking alcohol or not drinking alcohol. It is about maintaining sobriety or clear-mindedness. Clear-mindedness 
on things, and it is about control of oneself. As I've said earlier, the work of an elder, the work of leaders in the church is we are taking care not of strong people. We're not taking care of strong people. We are taking care of fragile people. Ship is weak. That's, that's the metaphor used by Scripture. The, the people of God are like a sheep. Control is everything. This is what I realized after being a pastor for quite some time. Control is everything in the work of a pastor. So an elder must not be a drunkard, for he might lose the sobriety and control which are essentials in the work of shepherding. It is so essential in the work of shepherding. It will mess up his judgment. Drunkenness will mess up his judgment. He could not think well of the situation. It will make him aggressive and might just destroy a believer instead of being built up, especially during confrontation, because it is a normal thing about confrontation that there will be emotions will be high. And think of an elder who would address the situation, but he is drunk, and he would result to violence. Pangit, no, diba? Nah. I remember a pastor um, driving down the freeway, and he got, I think, an accident, and then he went down. The kabilapong driver was was drunk, and nagwala. And the pastor ay inawakan yung lasing. Pero ano siya? Black belter. Ang problema niya ngayon, tumingin siya doon sa kotse niya, may mga members siyang sakay. <laughs> and so the pastor could not control himself anymore. He looked at his member and the members were like saying, I go signal eh. Konting job lang naman daw. But, but could you imagine, you know, Pastor N thinks, punch somebody because he's drunk. It is for this reason that while the Bible warns believers against drunkenness, more particularly, but more particularly against leaders. Proverbs 31 verses 4 to 5 <clears throat> Here's what it says. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget the word and pervert the right things, the rights of the afflicted. He has to have a clear mind at all times. He needs to have a clear understanding of God's word, and he needs to gently apply the word into every situation. <clears throat> Thus, a drunkard cannot be an elder. <clears throat> Secondly, these things will be quick. There are four things that we will be looking at today. We just want to make a clear picture on these things. Secondly, an elder should not be violent but gentle. He should not be violent, but gentle. Now, in putting these two, viola- these two violent and gentle as contrast, not violent, but gentle, it somehow made us understand what Paul had in mind. Violent men are like bullies who beat others either physically or verbally. These are violent men. They are, I look at the dictionary and it keeps on coming back. They are like bullies. 
But the gentle is seeking to have a clear understanding at all times so that he will always be sure that he would not break someone but builds up. Therefore, at the heart of this passage, or at the heart of this, of this qualification, is the goal to keep others from breaking, or to positively put it, kung ilagay po natin in positive ways, it is to make sure that others will be built up. Ito po yung uh, goal, ito po yung desire ng mga leaders no? to, to, to build up others, not to break others. So if you think about a violent person, a violent individual, he is not yet living to serve others. And think about violent people. They care less if others are hurt or would struggle because of them. And many times, they are even proud that they beat others. The pagan environment of Ephesus. I, I can just imagine the city of Ephesus, very pagan. They might have hailed strong men. They might have all praises for men who can subdue others. Who can use their force. I grew up in a community like this. And anyone who has a record of beating others is looked up by the community. And I can remember it, it was like a badge of bravery. And they felt like if you are growing up in that community and you have never been into a brawl, hindi ka panabinyagan. And so growing up, I was always waiting for the day that I can join you know, this bro, one of these brawl. Then until finally, napasali na po talaga ako. I remember my heart was so proud going home. And, and our friends are saying, finally, finally, you're a man. Because you were able to punch somebody. Now, I, in hindsight, I realized I did not really care about others but myself. This is the problem with violent men. And that they do not really care for others but their own self. That violent, being violent is somehow a tangible display of our self-centeredness, or simply put it, our evilness. Listen to what Proverbs 24 verse 2, verses 1 and 2, it says. Be not envious of evil men, nor desire to be with them, for their hearts devise violence. I look at what the book of Proverbs says here. Evil men devise violence. It is for this reason that Psalm 11 verse 5, Psalm 11 verse 5, it says, that the Lord hates the wicked. And who are the wicked? The one who loves violence. The one who loves violence. An aspiring elder should have been changed by Christ already. And he desires to build up others. He is now able to keep himself from being carried away by his anger or urge to beat up others because building up others has become more important than satisfying his desires. Di ba pagka nagagalit na tayo, parang ang sarap lang po talagang ma-express yung galit natin. Ano ho? And then if, if we are at the peak of our anger, we don't care about the people, the person that we would be hurting. All we care is that ma-express po natin yung galit natin. Di po ba? But but mature person is able to have their heart checked, to control, to control our ourselves, our emotions, our anger, our desires. That's why Paul said, 
not, viol not violent, but gentle. Our men, have we been gentle? By the way, being violent is not just physical. It's, it, also, it could also mean verbal. Have we been gentle with our use with, of words? And although I understand there are dynamics, you know, in, in our home, in our home, we call ourselves British because we show love by being silly to one another. Now, that's, that's how we joke one another. And so I always remind my kids, let's not be like that if there are other people. But it is not to hurt one another. So Paul said, instead of being violent, you need to be gentle. And this word gentle here again is not the words behind many of the words gentle in the, Old, in the New Testament. This particular word gentle here is the same as Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5. And I think it's good for us to look at that because we begin to have a picture of what Paul had in mind here. Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, it reads, Let your reasonableness, look at that word, reasonableness. That's the word gentle. And I think in the NIV, it is translated, let your gentleness be known to men. But gentleness here is really the reasonableness. It is an, the focus is inward. It is an inward focus. And reasonableness, think about those times that, you know, dumadaan ka ng problema, was the first thing that happened. Diba? Gulong-gulo yung mind natin. Na yung mga tipong dumadaan lang po yung, yung pusa, gusto mo nang sipain yung pusa. That's what happened. And reasonableness, ginamit po ni Paul to Philippians chapter 4, verse 5, in the context of a problem between Judea, a certain influential women in the church, Judea and Sentike. And he was saying that in the midst of this problem in the church, between these conflicting, fighting, quarreling women, he said, let your reasonableness be known to men. In other words, make sure that within you, you still think rightly. You still have a clear understanding on things. Within you, it's still whole. Hindi siya sira-sira. Because pag, pag sira-sira na po yung heart and mind natin, what happens is that it, it will be displayed in our actions. We cease to be gentle in our words, in our actions. So then we understand, and by the way, look at, look at what Paul then said. What fills the mind of a person that is still reasonable, and he said in Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I like other translation because it says, dwell on these things. Ito dapat yung nasa mind natin when we are going through problems. It, when there is problem, it is hard not to be occupied by the problem itself. And we think of the problem all the time. We talk about the problem all the time. And sometimes we never realize that life becomes about the problem. And Paul says, no, no, no. Paul, he said, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, is what, these are the things that you need to think about. So mature people, think about that. Mature people, when they are going through problems, they fill their minds with the right things. 
Hindi po sila nafe-feel, paano ba ako makabawi? Paano ko ba ma-express din yung galit? No, they are filled with, they choose to fill their minds with God's word, to say the least. Far from being violent then, a mature Christian, according to Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12 to 14, look at what Paul said. Put then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one is a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all this, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Mature people, even though they are so pressed with the situation, they manage to choose love. They manage to choose love at the end of the day. So with this work of keeping the gospel and building up the church, an elder will choose what will build up others, even if it means sacrificing his own emotions. You see some people that pag na, na kanti ba yun? Pag kinanti mo? Right? Pag <laughs> nagising na po yung emotions, you cannot do anything about them anymore. Right? And, but, but mature people, even if they're hurt, they're angry. At some point, we will be angry. When you're driving in Manila, you'll be angry. You'll be caught. When you're talking to somebody, and we know that, that people, even in the church, people can, can just say hurtful words casually. And it's real that we get to be hurt. But mature people can hold themselves and keep themselves. In fact, mature people doesn't want to reply right, again, right away because they fear that they will sound like foolish. Don't we sound like foolish when somebody said hurtful words and then we right away respond to that person or we justify ourselves? Many times, we sound like a foolish person. He is wise enough that even if it's hurt, it hurts him, he would rather not say anything than say something that will only expose his own heart. So that's an elder. He is so committed the testimony of the gospel in the lives of the church. This is most important to him. He is no longer thinking of keeping himself or protecting himself. What is most important to him is the testimony of the gospel in the lives of the people. Remember, Paul admonished everyone in the church. He said, older women do this to the younger women in the church. Older, older women, older men do this to the younger men in the church. And I think he also talks about master and slave. But Titus chapter 2, verse 10, he then said, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. But really, not only for the elders, should not all of us be concerned about the testimony of the gospel in our lives if we are to be effective in evangelism? For Paul then to say that an elder must not be violent but gentle is to say that an elder should be more concerned with growing others in the faith so that he is able to sacrifice his emotions and choose what would build up instead of what will destroy. Now I know we are just supposed to build to paint a picture of what it means to not to be violent but gentle, but I don't think we will understand that qualification apart from the work of an elder. 
So the first question for our men in the church is, are you still living to gratify the desires of the flesh? Or are you living to build up others? And if we can say that we are living to build up others, the next question is, are you able now to control your anger? To control your anger and urge to be violent and able to clear your mind in heated situations so that you choose what would build up others. Thirdly, an elder should not be argumentative. It's somewhat similar to being violent, but a little no one's. But he should not be argumentative. My first, one of my first discipler, quote-unquote, was a pastor who uh, will go to a place in Cebu. We call it Plaza Independencia. And in that plaza, uh, all the leaders of different religions will be there. And what they will do is to debate. And he told me, let's go there. I will disciple you how to debate, how to argue. We're not looking for debates. We're not going everywhere and say, who would want to debate with me? Now, Paul might have felt the awfulness of those who desired to be teachers, and yet they were known for their being quarrelsome or contentious. Sa, sa Tagalog po, ito po ay mga uh, ng aaway. No? Ito po yung kanila pong favorite pastime. Yung nag-argue. Parang boring yung life pag, pag walang diskusyon. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, we get to see these false teachers. And Paul said, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3 to 5, If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, Paul said in verse 4, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words. Look at that, unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which, look at what it produces, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicion, constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. It is no wonder why James himself said that anger does not produce the righteousness of God. So if you are just studying just so that you can argue well, it will never result to transformation. That's what James said. So think about that. A quarrelsome person or a contentious person, a contentious person always contending, always fighting, is always looking for the next arguments. Ito na po yata yung kanilang breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One dictionary says that a contentious person is quick to argue with others, quick to argue with others. And you notice them because they even argue without even understanding the situation. They jump ahead and, and tell us about their strong opinions and they do not even know what's being talked about at times. Figurat figuratively speaking, sabi po nila, they are the ones who always have what they say, a chip on, a on the shoulder. Narinigyo na po yung expression po, a chip on the shoulder. Or sa Tagalog po, may, may, may pinaglalaban. No, may gustong patunayan. Ito po yung mga tao pong ito. And when they argue with others, 
they do not have any regard for what is wrong or how others would feel. Now, the only thing that matters to them is to argue his point or what he wants to say. In fact, you notice them because after they would say their piece, they would not even listen to, those, to the one whom he is arguing. In the end, nothing matters to him but himself. He always wants to elevate himself. He only feels good if he wins an argument. And let's talk more about this contentious person. We realize that they thrive in conflicts. They somehow pour fuel into the fire. Their yung puso po nila na ng galit, they find an opportunity to express that galit when they are in conflict with others. This is true, I, I think, to all of us at some point. And I can still remember, we, are, we were excited to talk about things if there are problems. And sometimes we feel bored because there are no problems. today. The, the contentious person always have arguments, always have all these things, except the desire for peace. Except the desire for, for peace. However, Paul said an aspiring elder should not be like this. What they love is peace. What they love is not quarrels. Today's English version go to the length, goes to the length of translating this, saying that an aspiring elder loves peace. He loves peace. This is the desire of his heart. And think about it. It is supposed to be a birthright for us Christians. When we become Christian, when we were united to God, Jesus said we become peacemakers. What we love to see is people being reconciled. That's what we want. That's what we desire. There's peace um, in the church, in our relationship. Now, for sure, we are not talking about generic peace. And you might ask me, Pastor, the world is promoting peace. And we just have to love, love, love one another. Now, the, the peace that we are talking about here is not the absence of quarrels only, but without and without the regard without regard for the truth truth is more important to those as paul said who arrive at the knowledge of the truth in fact one passage paul seemed to say i have no time to argue with people who doesn't have any regard to the order of god in 1 corinthians chapter 11 paul was addressing probably women who were arguing that they can also uh, be leaders. And from verses 2 to 15, Paul was saying, now women can, at that time they can still prophesy, can prophesy in public, they can pray in public with their heads covered. And the point is that they can do that in submission to the men in submission to the leaders in the church. They can pray in public in submission to the, women, the men in the church. But those who will contend with Paul, look at what he said in verse 16 of 1 Corinthians 11. He said, If anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice nor do the churches of God. In other words, Paul shuts down that, that whoever that anyone might be, a man or a woman, he shuts it down and says, if you have no regard to the order of God, I have no time to contend with you. So surely, when you talk about peace, truth is at the center of it. Truth is at, it is not at the expense of truth. It is governed by truth. 
However, it is not fighting that they love, but peace. There's a big difference. Many times an argument is necessary, I would say it is necessary, to arrive at peace or reconciliation. But it's, it is clearly the means and not the end. Peace is the end. Peace is the goal of the argument. We don't argue for the sake of arguing. Peace is not achieved all the time, for sure, as there will be those who will not acknowledge the truth or their sins. But a mature Christian does not have peace with quarreling itself. So we're saying quarreling is sometimes the way to peace. But you have a problem when you are at peace with quarreling. So an aspiring elder is not a lover of quarrel, but of peace. He's not a lover of quarrel, but of peace. He's not one who just wants to express his anger or sentiments and be at peace that he will be able to say what he wanted to say without any regard for reconciliation. He is not concerned about arguing, but the welfare of people. I remember Brother Wilson and Nida who gave us a testimony, and it's okay, I was not able to ask Wilson, but they said it right in front of us. So that's a public knowledge, so I can quote them. But last week, they, they gave their testimony of how they were pulling each other towards a direction. And what changed their situation was when Brock Wilson said to Nida, and, and this is the heart of a mature person. Yes, there might be discussion, there might be arguing, but in the heart of heart, the goal is peace. Could you imagine if we have leaders, if we raise up leaders who just want to argue or quarrel? Yung mga tipong nagsasabing, simulan mo at tatapusin ko. The men that we are playing, uh, the Lord would raise up are those who love peace. Men who are driven to see reconciliation or men who give allowances. Men who give allowances for the sins and imperfections of others. If only that peace will be maintained. Remember what Paul said in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2 to 3. Paul said, with all humility and gentleness. With patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love. He also said in Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 24 to 25, about the Lord's servant. Here's what Paul said. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. Kind to everyone. Able to teach. Patiently enduring evil. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to knowledge of the truth. Fourthly, an elder should not be a lover of money. An elder should not be a lover of money. They often joke, saying, there are three ways to be rich. Gambling Lord, drug Lord, and praise the Lord. <laughs> I was greatly offended uh, upon sharing the gospel to someone who listened to me, but after I said the gospel, he replied that I might have been very rich because pastors are just there for the money. And it did not happen only once. An uncle of mine from Mindanao 
uh, came to our house and say, how's the church? And I said, oh, it's okay, it's fine, it's growing. And then he said it. And so you're getting rich. And then he told me, because I know of a pastor in Jensen who owns an ashenda. I was offended, but these things made me aware that many are there, many pastors, many false teachers. In fact, false teachers are known for their love for money. They would want the congregation to buy them the newest jet plane. Pharisees were lovers of money. Luke 16, 14. And there were a lot, a lot in the early days of the church who were there for the money. It was for this reason that Paul did not receive any help from the Corinthians, by the way. Paul said he did not receive any help from the Corinthians. Although he admitted that it was wrong, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, Paul said, forgive me for this wrong. But he did that one because he wants to be distinguished from the so-called gospel preachers, but were there for the money. And it is obvious that the same problem occurred in the church of Ephesus. And the church of Ephesus was the church that Paul pastored. Because listen to what Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we have brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with this we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge, plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It is through craving, this craving that we, that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pongs. When one truly focuses on God, that's godliness, he already finds satisfaction. Now, he needs money for sure, but in only as so far as he needs it. Only as in so far as what God provided. But he basically knows, he basically knows that it is earthly in nature and he does not have to die rich because he does not want the tragic death of the rich who cannot bring his money with him. To be rich is not their ultimate desire in life. It is not the reason for everything they do. And we, we know if we have become lovers of money because it is the reason of everything we do. What's in it for me? These false teachers were in it for the money because Paul said they love money. The love of money, and I would say the reason, love of money is again the reason for everything we do, is the root of all evils, Paul said. And it's the root of all evils because it will ruin any good thing that you want to do. It's just destroying everything. I mean, thinking, for example, of politicians. Think of it. Who will open a charitable foundation so that funds will come and then only... A little portion will go to the poor, but most of the portion will go to them. So think about it. It is a charitable work, but it loses whatever nobility because at the heart of it, you do it for the money. If this is evil, if what I use as an illustration is evil, think of pastors today who are trying to help people but it is not really helping people that motivates them but they but the money that they would gain out of it isn't that evil 
And Paul warned in both verses 9 and 10 that those who do everything for money will eventually live the faith for what? For money. An aspiring elder should not be, again, highlight a lover. A lover of money. It does not say an elder should not have money. <laughs> lover of money. He fully trusts the Lord. That he is content with whatever the Lord has provided for him. He is content of the goodness and grace of God. He can trust on the goodness of God that God will provide. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, that Paul says, Godliness with great contentment. Somehow the writer of Hebrews echoed this one in Hebrews 13, verse 5. Look at what Paul said in Hebrews. Sorry, the writer of the book of Hebrews said in Hebrews 13, verse 5, Keep your life free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. How? For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. It is to the Lord that he puts his trust. It is not in money. That should be. Uh, that should be true to all of us. Not just not just the leaders in the church, it should be true to every Christian. And this is very important because it will release us to obey the Lord where we are in our lives. After assuring his disciples of the providential love of God, remember, Jesus said that God will surely provide for his people as they are more important than the birds and the lilies. Matthew 6 25 to 32, Jesus concluded saying, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In Paul's theology, the preachers of the gospel, the preachers of the gospel should be provided by his work of preaching the gospel. He said, I think this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. If I'm not mistaken, in the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel. We then understand that the trust of aspiring elders should be in the Lord, that their main concern is the work of the Lord, because that they trust that the Lord will provide. Now, this is not to say that all elders should be full-time. God has a design. Uh, but this is also not to say that those who are full-time, who are not full-time, would not have the work of the Lord as their main concern. The, the, the calling of eldership is so high that their main concern is the work of the Lord. And they also believe that if they will just do the work of the Lord, it is difficult. We are not saying it's not. May it be in church or at work. Um, but they have a strong belief that the Lord will provide for them. So one thing for sure, the love of an elder is not on money, but on the Lord. Right? The love of an elder is not on money, but on the Lord, and it is for this reason that he gives himself to the taking of the flock, take care of the flock, he gives himself to the work of teaching, he gives himself to the work of leading the church, he does so because he knows that God loves him. So, here's a very simple implication for us. The elder should learn how to say no to things that might only destroy the things that they seek to build up. Sometimes to say no is the hardest. And up until today, I'm still learning how to say no. 
But we have to learn how to say no to things that we should be saying no. So, elders, but by the way, don't say no to things that you're supposed to say yes. You know. Elders could not let anything control them, but the Word and the Spirit, if they are to do nothing but build up others. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Cruciform Life Church Podcast. Check out more gospel-centered messages at www.cruciformlifechurch.org or subscribe to this podcast at Spotify.